Hi, everybody. It's Jill. And this is Mel. And this is Mel and Jill Geek Out. Hi, Mel. Hey, Jill. Uh, It's December. Yay! At least when this episode gets released. It's not far from December when we're recording it, but it is going to release in December. We're days away from December, so we are not far. Yeah, it is going to be good times, hence why you had a little bit of change up on the music, a little holiday moment. Um, I'm a geek and I love the holiday season. I love all of the terrible, like, Hallmark Christmas movies that are really bad because I think they're fun to (laughs) watch and make fun of. (laughs) I think it's fun. Oh, Lord. Um, But that kind of is a great segue into what today is going to be, which is at least a portion of A Court of Frost and Starlight, which for all intent and purpose is the Hallmark movie of the Akatar series. Oh, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like, Jill, you had something you wanted to talk to me about before we dive into the little novella we have here. Yes, but it's very much on, on the vein of what you just said. I'm here for it. Um, I believe when we read this book... I think you even said it to me before I read it was that this is the Hallmark Christmas movie of the of the series, which was probably not a good selling point for me. No, because I'm not the, I, I am not a fan I, of the Hallmark Christmas movies. I think they're awful. So I was telling you as a warning, not as a selling point. <laughs> Um, FYI. Anyway, so we were so we were chatting about this earlier and it dawned on me that this was like the perfect time of year that we were going to be recording this, even though I hadn't I haven't read the book in a while Um, because it is now the Christmas season. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. And then we can cap the year off with like a Christmas movie. And then we were discussing Mm -hmm. what Christmas movies and and then this, here's where we are. So this is where we're going to pick the conversation back up. I mean, I can play the voice notes if you want. You, you can. I mean, that's up to you. That is up to you. Let's just say Jill only truly believes in one Christmas movie. And what is that Christmas movie, no, Jill? Okay, no. <laughs> no, that's not what happened here. No, no, no. Okay, I suggested the Christmas movie theme. So I said, I said, I knew she knows what movie I love. And I'll just tell you all now. Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is by far my favorite Christmas movie, hands down of all time favorite, like best Christmas movie ever. In my opinion. Now, I didn't immediately suggest that. I said, (laughs) I said, Let's talk about it. And she came back with, what What was the first one? Elf. Elf, which I love. Elf's a great movie. I like Elf a lot. Um, and then she started to describe a movie 
And she was like, it's she's like, we could do a really like a classic, classic Christmas movie. And it's this black and white movie. And the guy dies. And I stopped the voice note right there because I knew immediately what she was talking about. And I fucking hate that movie. I just don't like it at all. To be fair, I was searching for the name of this movie. It is my mother's favorite Christmas movie. I know this Christmas movie. I just, the name escaped me for a moment. I know, I know. And yes, I did see that it was your mom's favorite Christmas movie. My mom also really liked that movie as well. It's just, I I don't know why I really fucking hate that movie. It's a wonderful life. That's what it is. That (laughs) is... That is the hard pass for Jill. It makes me a monster, apparently. I don't know. I just hate the movie. No. I don't like it. It doesn't make you anything other than, you know, just like everyone in like the 1930s when it first got released, because it was a box office bomb. No one liked it. It didn't. Yeah. there's, There's a reason why it got played every time on TV all the time for holiday season, like during the holiday season is because it was cheap to license because it did so badly that they would just play it all the time. And then that's when it got popular. It was in like the 1950s and 60s after they played it so many times on TV. I didn't know that. Still hate it. Um, (laughs) Film major for the win. Yay. So then... Then we mo- then you also suggested a Muppet Christmas Carol, which I love a Christmas Carol. Like we've discussed, it's one of my favorite Christmas stories. Muppets isn't my favorite. Don't hate it, but I like it. Um, okay, what is your favorite version of a Christmas Carol then? Well, not the one you said after that. Oh, I said Scrooge was not my vote. Oh my God. Okay, I totally misheard you because I thought you said Scrooge was the best. And I was like, we, I, I'm questioning things now because Scrooge <laughs> is a terrible, terrible. No, one. I said Scrooge is not the best. It's the worst. It's the worst. Th- like, because I said, here's, here's how the conversation went. I said, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol, because I think that. It is. Michael Caine is just phenomenal. Oh, he's great. In that movie. Yes. Amazing. Um, I was like, really, any version of A Christmas Carol could be good, except for Scrooge. It's not my fave. It's not the best. It's not the worst. It's not the best. Yeah. No, disagree. That's down. That's with that's with that. And I also don't love Miracle on 34th Street. Like those, like, just they're all in the Okay, which Miracle on 34th Street are we talking about? All of them. I don't like it. Original or the remake from the 90s? All of them. Both of them. I don't like them. Okay, I kind of get with you on that because I don't like it. Even in these crappy Hallmark Christmas movies, I don't want Santa to be a real person. Um... I don't want Santa to be a character. I don't want Santa to like Tim Allen in a Santa Claus is about as close as I can get to Santa being an actual character in the movie. Santa was. Yeah, I I liked the Santa Claus. That was the first couple were the first one. Anything else is hot garbage and I pretend it doesn't exist. I want to say the second one was okay. I can't really remember. It's been a while. But anything after that. The second one is when he gets married. The third one has Jack Frost in it. And it's just bad. (laughs) With Martin Short. I love Martin Short, though. But that movie is bad. (laughs) It's like it's the. uh, 
Oh, what is that franchise? The Fast and the Furious of Christmas movies that just keep fucking going with the Santa Claus. Well, there's a TV show for it now on mm-hmm. Disney Plus. I'm like, no, can we just, can we just not? Okay, not. Can it just be done? Do you have any? Do you have any other Christmas movies that you just really don't like that everybody else likes? That I really don't like that everybody else likes. Um, Hot Take: A White Christmas. <gasps> what? Don't like it. Oh, no, 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 no. That's all. That is like sacred. Oh, I love that movie. Mm -mm. That was going to be my replacement suggestion for It's a Wonderful Life because. (laughs) I mean, I'll watch it, but it's not peak. Uh. I just, the songs annoy me, the sets annoy me, the acting. How do you not love the Haynes sisters? No. Oh. In fact, I saw this, like, adorable little sweatshirt. I was thinking about getting one for my sister. I loved that. I loved that. I love that movie. Any other ones? I mean, I feel like a lot of the 90s. Ones like Jingle All the Way was really bad, or I'll be home for Chris, or I'll be home for Christmas. Yeah, the one with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, I think that's what it was. The one I can't remember what it's called, where the dad dies and possesses a snowman. Jack Frost. Yeah, that was horrible. I thought that I I didn't understand that one. That wasn't good. I I agree with you on those. Um, Do you have any other ones that you really like? Oh, I mean. But here's the thing. There's a do you want my like actual good film or I watch it as a guilty pleasure every single year because I cannot stop myself. Both. Okay, so actual good. I really like The Holiday with Kate Winslet and Jack Black because I love Jack Black in that. He's like peak man in that. I'm sorry. Jack Black is a fucking gem and I love him. You hate rom-coms. That is your problem. You hate rom coms. <laughs> I do like him in that movie. That was good, but I don't like the movie. <laughs> um, so we're not going to agree. Okay, I'm also a big sucker for like all of the Rankin and Bass holiday movies. Like I love Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. No, no. I knew I, you were going to say I, that like, shit. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Santa's that. coming to town. The Little Drummer Boy. I'm a sucker. For those like when it was ABC family and they would do the 25 days of Christmas and they would play all of the movies on TV. Like, yeah, that was my jam. My jam. No. Love that shit. Um, If I think like more modern, like I got suckered into like the Christmas Prince Disney or, or uh, Netflix original. What? <laughs> what is that? There's three of them. What are you so t- it's this. I'll explain the premise to you. Just I've never even time. heard so of it though. So there is okay. Just understand that there's a lot of made up countries in these movies because there's oh a God. lot of princes that are single that need to find wives. Are we in Genovia okay. again? <laughs> it's called Aldovia. But close. Okay. <laughs> We're not far. Aldova. No, they're probably neighbors. They're probably neighbors. Okay. Genovia shares a border with Aldovia. So the Aldovian king dies. And this woman from a fashion magazine 
get sent to Aldovia to cover the coronation of the new of the prince who's now going to become the king. But nobody can find this motherfucker. And he actually ends up stealing her cab, but he has a beard, so no one recognizes him. So she poses as a tutor for his younger sister who has who's like differently abled. She has like spina bifida. So she has to use like crutches or a wheelchair to like get around. And so she's nice to the little sister. So he starts talking to her and engaging with her. And of course they fall in love. But then he finds out she's a journalist and she was planning to write about him. And then he finds out that he's adopted. And so he can't technically ascend the throne. But then in an acorn that the king carved, he put the amendment to like the royal constitution that says that any heir that he selects can can take over. And then they the second movie they get married. In the third one she has a baby. Yeah. This sounds It's not your vibe. Not at all. You're like I want to watch Die Hard as a Christmas oh, movie fuck kind of No, woman. I don't like that either. <laughs> I don't, there's this whole like debate about it being a Christmas movie or not a Christmas movie. I don't even remember where I stand on that anymore because I've now been forced to watch it several times. But eh, no, I am of the Home Alone. Okay, yeah. The I'll take any of the ones with Macaulay Culkin in it. Those are the ones that I like. I like I, so the third two. one's meh, but one and two I love. Um, A Christmas Story. My dad mm-hmm. fucking hated that movie and I loved it because I would put it on and it would do the 24 hours on TNT every Christmas. I loved it. I still love it. You'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your eye out. I read the short story before I saw the movie. Okay. And? I just that that's I'm just saying. Oh, okay. The short story. I swear, one time I I saw another movie about that kid, and it had something to do with a top. It was a whole other movie, but it was the same family and it was the same characters, and it was like a summer fair thing. I'm gonna have to find it. No idea. Anyway, I like that one. Um, obviously, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um. The Grinch is a staple at our house. That was another one. I Okay, if I had to pick between the Jim Carrey one and the original one, I'm going original, personally. I like Jim Carrey, though. I just grew up with the original, so that's what I want. So, the Grinch, that's the thing. For us, the Grinch was never a thing until the Jim Carrey version came along. So, my sister and I loved it. And we would, you know, when it came out on DVD, we bought it and then we would watch it every day from Thanksgiving until Christmas. And so we know every word, <laughs> um, just like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, honestly, like th- like those two get played a lot, like for a month. So um, but the great and we talked about it. I I take that back. We may not have talked about this on the podcast, but Christmas decorations, like my Christmas decorations are the Grinch and it's the Jim Carrey 
version-ish. I just love it. It's one of my favorite stories. But before that, before the Jim Carrey one came out, the only exposure I really had was um, Home Alone. The bit on the, that was it. I knew the song and the like, you know, general Mm -hmm. story, but that was it. Yeah, I mean, I do love the Grinch. I'm not going to lie. I mm-hmm. wouldn't be like upset to watch the Jim Carrey one. I'm going to pretend that the newer animated one just doesn't exist because like it, I just didn't need it again. Like I'm good. OK, so now that we solidly talked about Christmas movies for <laughs> about 20, 20 minutes, 20 ish minutes, um, we should probably get into the book. So. I'll just throw out a little quick format change for everybody. We were trying to shove everything into episodes and we decided that was maybe not the best route. So we're just going to go, but we're going to cut it off at a certain point and just be like, all right, from this point out, we're going to the next one. Correct. And Frost and Starlight is number one in novella. It's only like 150 pages. It's a pretty short little stint. I will admit this is the book that took me the longest of all of them to read. Not because I didn't enjoy it, but like it just so happened to line up with like a really busy couple of weeks in my life. So it took me like seven days to read 150 pages, which is very unlike me. It is also a really unique book because there's a lot of point of views. Yeah. You get to see Feyre, Reese, Cassian, Moore, a bunch of people get to have their point of view explored. And I think that might be a little bit of foreshadowing for any future books of who might get POVs. We can keep our fingers crossed. You never know. You never know. So we open in chapter one with Feyre. So no big change here. And it's wintertime in the night court. And our gang has returned from the spring court after kind of coming to a little bit of a treaty at the end of the war against Highburn and the end of Aquawar. And it is the holiday season. They don't call it Christmas. They call it solstice uh, because they don't have Jesus in these books. So there's no such thing as Christmas. <laughs> Still Christmas. Um, and so Pharaoh wakes up. And she sees that it is snowing outside and Reese has already left for the day. They're very busy because of the attacks on Volaris that have occurred and all of these things. So they're both working really, really hard trying to get the city as close back together as they can before taking a little break for the holidays. She tries to like ring him in via their mating bond, but he's out of range so he must be meeting with the other high lords and allies as part of the aftermath but this isn't unexpected winter also thinks about like it being winter makes favor think about that day in the woods where our story began where she skinned someone alive Maybe yes. just a smidge. Yes. <laughs> She's romanticizing it a little bit more than that. She's not like really dwelling on the part where she killed a fairy, skinned them alive, and left them to rot in the woods. I guess technically it wasn't alive, but she still skinned him. <laughs> still skinned him. 
It was it was unfun. Yeah. Um, and then sold his skin to the mercenary. Yeah. Mm. She's not thinking about those pieces of the story, though. She's more amusing about like how much her life has changed where like she was incredibly desperate that day in the woods when she killed the wolf who we later find out is a fairy it kind of works not so great for her um and now she has met her mate and she has this newfound family and she's in this you know they've won this war against hybern and her life is finally looking like it might chill the fuck out a little bit and when we learn that winter solstice is only a week away, so it's like the 18th of December if we're using, you know, Judeo-Christian calendars. <laughs> put some context in here. Oh my god. And uh Favor is definitely still a little bit traumatized from um Reese a little bit dying for a, a little bit of a minute there. Just like a hot second. Um, Just a hot second. Yeah, she died for like not even a full page. It did not last that long. Uh, And she kind of muses about how they're both kind of keeping busy, probably to intentionally not have that conversation of like, hey, you died. Yeah. You sacrificed yourself. Not cool. <laughs> Let's not do that anymore. <laughs> uh, so she has been working with some charities in Valaris to help in the rebuilding efforts. And she is a little bit on the fence about how she feels about celebrating when there's so many people who are, you know, still kind of, you know, struggling that, you know, they're in, they don't have their homes rebuilt yet. They're, they're not always not the entire city's not in a good place. So she she kind of struggles with that a little bit. And then she remembers, you know, how hard everyone has fought to get to this moment of peace. And she thinks that like her and the inner circle and her sisters really deserve a moment to just be happy and have some t- fun times together. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, that's all well and good. I had a big problem in this chapter. Okay. Because Feyre makes a comment about how she needs to go look over the finances of everything. And I just, I'm like, I'm calling bullshit. Absolute bullshit here. That woman was illiterate not that long ago. She does not know how to do math. She doesn't know how to do math. She cannot all of a sudden do math on paper because we talked about this. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say that she can count and add and subtract because, yes, you can do that. Um, I'd argue she could probably even do a little bit of division. The point is. The point is Jill is throwing stuff on her desk. She's so passionate about this point. Listen. This is like the third time I've spilled something on myself this week. I did it all over a very nice plate of food the other day at a very expensive restaurant. I was sad. But anyway, no, I just I'm clumsy. That's all. I just knock shit over. Uh, No, this woman cannot cannot 
look at pieces of paper and do math. She was illiterate a few months ago. You cannot go go from being illiterate to being able to do large sums on paper. Ain't happening. So is she going to go out there and physically count all of it? Is that what we're going to do? No. Bullshit. Okay. Do you, have, do you feel like you've said your piece? So I can for the, interject for the moment. my perspective <laughs> for the moment. on this. So my, I, have a, I have a couple of points that I want to make. I okay. concur with you that until probably fairly recently, she was not doing math on paper. However, I think she does know some amount of math, and here's why. She does describe in other books having a close relationship with her father and him like being at his knee when he goes through shipment orders and examining the goods and the jewels and things like that. And I'm sure that during those conversations, math comes up about like what it takes to be the king of merchants. Okay. Two, when they've lost all of their money, Feyre becomes the barterer of the family because dad's not doing that shit. Dad is carving nonsense, doing his thing. So Feyre definitely understands some amount of math from a like financial money sense in that regard because she's, you know, she's selling the pelt and the deer meat and things like that. In Akatar. Thirdly, do I think she's really looking after the finances? No. There's a bank in Valaris that definitely pays attention to all of Reese's finances for him. He has given her busy work <laughs> so that she can learn math. And that's what this is. Okay, if if he has given this to her so that she can learn math, fair enough. But I argue your second point is one I made. Like, she can do math. I'm not saying she can't do math. I'm saying she can't do it on paper. That's my problem. She can't do it on paper. She's, she definitely can do math. I definitely am in the canon belief that Reese has given her or allowing her to do this to, like, subtly teach her how to do math on paper. All right. I accept that answer. I am okay with that. And I like that explanation. I can live with that explanation. But when I read this, that was not. Do we remember how he taught her to read and write? Remember the nonsense he pulled for that? Yes. No. Now that you say it, it makes perfect sense. But in the moment, like when we first talked about it, I remember being like very annoyed. I'm like, this bitch is not doing math. She is not doing long division and multiplication and, you know, thousands digits of fucking addition and subtraction. She's just not. But whatever. I she's get not, it. That makes sense. She's not balancing a checkbook right now. Correct. Yes. Fair. Okay. Moving forward. (laughs) So Feyre, 
after she does some garbledygook math, uh, she makes this comment about the townhouse having gotten a little crowded because uh, Elaine and Nesta are, well, Elaine is there. Nesta has moved out. Uh, Lucian sometimes stops by. Cassie and Anazriel stay there. Moore stays there sometimes. There's like a lot of people in like a three bedroom townhouse, <laughs> three, four bedroom townhouse. Just P.S. This is where I had the note of this is where Jill yells about Feyre being able to do math because <laughs> she talks about looking over the finances. <laughs> I did have that note in here for you. <laughs> I saw that. Anywho, so Vera then heads out. Vera, Feyre heads out into the city because she's been volunteering. She goes to these charities and they're all like, yeah, we got plenty of hands. It's like people who try to volunteer on Thanksgiving at like a homeless shelter, like a food, like a soup kitchen. They're like, nah, today's not the day to come. We got like 8,000 hands today. Come any other day of the year. Yeah. (laughs) So like all of the, the charities are kind of like, Go be high lady somewhere else. But I but I wanna I wanna bring up a point here, which is Feyre participates in existing charities. She does not have like her own charity that she's trying to put on. Why do you think that might be? Why is she not like creating her own high lady of the night court? To help post Highburn attack charity nonprofit 501c3. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I don't think I've ever really put any like, I mean, I guess a little thought into it only because like I didn't read it quite the way you did, I guess. I remember thinking like. Yours is probably a little bit more accurate over, like, this isn't the day to come and help. I kind of took it as, like, you're insane if you think that we're going to let the High Lady of Valeris come and get her hands dirty doing these things. You need to, like, no, this isn't, this isn't your arena. So that's what it was like in the spring court. But she talks about having gone out and done you know, a hard day's work for these charities leading up until today. I stumped her. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Why? Just just let that. I just want that to play around in the back of your brain. Oh, God, don't do this. <laughs> don't do this. Just tell me. <laughs> well, I mean, spoiler to the end of this book, which... P.S. Oh. We are not getting oh, well through the end no. of this book. If it's the end, like, okay, I'm, see, this is bad. I don't remember everything. So, like, if it's just, if it's the end, then wait till the end. Okay, we'll wait till the end. <sighs> okay, so then we also learn that Reese is with Cassian at Devlin's camp, which is the, the, the Illyrian camp that we've spent 100% of our time with Illyrians at. Mm-hmm. Anytime we go to the Illyrian camp, it's always been Devlin's camp. There are more than just that camp, but that's the only one we hang out at. So they're there and uh, Cassian is in a little bit of a tiff 
with Devlin. And we're going to find out why as we go into chapter two, which is from Reese's point of view. So Reese is at this Illyrian camp and he's trying to handle this dispute between Cassian and Devlin. Uh, Devlin thinks that the female Illyrians who should be training actually should be decorating and getting everything ready for solstice for the boys. And Cassian's like, just let them train for like two hours and then they can go help with the like solstice preparations. Um, I really appreciate this fight out of Cassian. He's trying to gain whatever little bit of ground he can with Devlin. And Devlin is like the chillest of all of the Illyrian camp leaders. And he's really trying to fight for better equality among the Illyrians. You know, the women really have this not so great position where they clip their wings and they're not allowed to fight and they're not allowed to really participate in the more like warrior-esque components of the Illyrian culture. But Devlin does have a mildly good point that everyone, including all of the Illyrians, are really deserving of having a good solstice. And their culture is that the the women help prepare for solstice. Um, and as, as but like at the same time, like for Devlin's point, it, that means the girls deserve a good solstice too, which means to not constantly be shit on by the fucking men. <laughs> so it's fun sometimes when the character just runs directly into the point. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Um, Reese then has them come to a compromise of the girls doing 90 minutes of training before going and helping with solstice prep. 30 minutes is not like a great compromise in my humble opinion, but it's what everybody agrees to. So I'm not going to fight it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one the next note's just a little bit much. Uh, Reesam goes to describe in very heavy detail how much he wants to just fuck Ferris brains out. Yeah. I mean, are this, we surprised? No. No, they're they're still in like their early mating phase where like it's not as like insane as when they first first mated, like an Akamath, but like Yeah. This is when we get the description of Reese telling us how they had sex flying over Valaris. So Favor gave herself some wings. I don't know even, I feel like this is windsurfing. How the hell do you have sex while you're both in flight? You know what? I've seen on TikTok, sometimes authors like get flack for, you know, sex scenes and like incredibly unrealistic descriptions and I feel like this is what I mean, like, remove the flying bit. Like, I realize that's not real, guys. But in my head, I still cannot figure out how to logistically make this happen. Even the, even though they both have wings. I'm like, I just, it's not. I don't know. Oh, it's um, it's a no for me. Yeah, ditto. I but could also I could live without can it. Can we just. Can we just talk about the poor, traumatized people who citizens of it. citizens of Alaris who then look up into the sky one evening 
And then the high lord and the high lady are just flying over their house. You know, skin on skin slapping as they fly by, moaning away. Because they're not quiet every time Reese orgasms. It's described as him roaring. So, like, they ain't quiet. No. And can you imagine, like, if you and I were, like, walking down the street and, like, happened to see that, I think you and I would just... Look at each other and be like, did you say that? Yes. Okay. Depending on how quickly they were flying by, I would get my phone out and record it and send it to John. (laughs) Send it to everyone I know. Be like, I cannot be the only person who saw this. Everyone else has to participate in the trauma. (laughs) I, I would just... I would need to know that somebody else also saw it. That just yeah. that, like, I w- it wasn't me making something up in my brain that it was real and that someone else saw it. That, that's all I need I to mean, know. You and I do that with just off-the-wall TikToks anyway. Where we will send it to the other person just yeah. so someone else we know has to also have seen it. Like, the... The uh, jellyfish hair. <laughs> I said that to Stevie too. <laughs> she said, oh, so for reference, for those who don't know, Stevie is a friend of the show. She did um, Drive to Survive. Drive season to Survive. Three. Yeah, no, she season did, four. Yeah, season four, Drive to Survive with us. And she's a hairstylist. She's my hairstylist. But I sent it to her and she said, and I quote, Fuck no, period, JFC, period. And for those of you who don't know what JFC means, Jesus fucking Christ. Because if you can imagine Squidward in a haircut. It's like a bowl cut. It's like a bowl cut with like normal brown hair. Like brown hair that grows out of your head naturally. But then under the bowl cut, but like not cute. Oh god. Is teal hair. <laughs> not curled, nothing. It's all just stick straight. It was so funny. It's awful. It was it's so funny. <sighs> it's terrible. It was so funny. Just saying. The moral of the story is Jill and I would force <laughs> each other to also be traumatized by Reese and Feyre fucking through the skies. If I had to see it, you had to see it. <laughs> yep. 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 So then we get this conversation with Cassian and Reese, and they're talking about how there's some dissension rising in the camps and Cassian's like okay I'll be home for solstice but I'm gonna stay here at the camps for a little while because I need to really work on this it's kind of his job as the general of the armies he needs to try to to quiet this dissent and they kind of a little bit lament like hey this is what uh the right is for it'll all the shitty people get booted out during the right. So that'll be great. But Cassian is just there to try to like win hearts and minds. It's, it was a rough war. 
difficult battles. They lost a lot of people. People are sad. I have a really unpopular opinion. The U.S. did not do great with the whole hearts and minds thing in Afghanistan. It's really a losing battle. Like, so it's hearts and minds of his own people. So I feel like that'll be slightly more successful. I mean, maybe, but maybe it's just the pessimist in me. And I'm like, like Cassian wants to be the guy to make this happen. It's not going to be Cassian. It's going to be somebody else. And I'm going to reserve my opinion on who that is for a later book. But it is not Cassian. Okay. So that is like, I, I know that's what he wants, but it's not doing any good, in my opinion. I, I don't disagree with you. Cassian, honestly, for as much of like a brutal warrior that he is, he's too much of a soft. Oh, beat. yeah. Oh, God. He is one he's of those. too sweet and like warm hearted. Do you know who I he like kind of gives me vibes? You're going to roll your eyes when I say this. Travis Kelsey. No, I see it. Oh, God. Just so, like, I mean, arguably a tough dude. He's in the NFL, like, baller, right? Big, tough guy. But you can just tell that him and his brother are just big fucking daddy bears on the inside. Yeah, that's why I love Cassian is that he is, like, this big, strong, will protect you will you know put himself he will he will jump in front of a freaking bullet yes. for you yes you know what the more but you he's talk, also a giant golden retriever yes y- yes like if you could combine those two because like i feel like travis kelsey has the body type more of cassian but like personality mm-hmm. wise i would argue jason so, mm-hmm. like, squish them together, and you have Cassian. Yeah. He's perfect. Yeah. I love Cassian. I'm a Cassian girly. I will not even begin to attempt to apologize for it. I love Cassian. I like Cassian, too. He's... I love Cassian so oh. much. <sighs> Anyways. um, So... He also plans to hand out presents to kids, which I'm like, of course you are, because you were a literal golden retriever. Yeah. We love you, Cassian. But Reese is um, like, no. Reese, no, no, no. No, he, he's on board with the presents, but he's no. like, your ass is home yes. for solstice. That's what I meant. Not the not giving the yeah. kids out, but like, no, no, no. You got to come home. You have to come home. Yeah. So this is also the first time we hear a little bit more about what Nesta has been doing since Aquaphor. And um, she's in a mood and not a good one. That's, that's putting it lightly. Yeah. And Reese then kind of has his moment of vulnerability and he talks to Cassian about how the peace that they're feeling right now doesn't really feel real. And Cassian comes in to validate his feelings and be like, we all fought really hard for this and we should enjoy it while it lasts because they're all 500 years old and they know it won't last forever. And that brings us to chapter three, which is our first 
stint into Cassian's point of view. Yay! And this is the point in the book where I texted my friend Lily, who got me turned on to all of these books, and I was like, I thought you said this was a Hallmark movie. I thought everybody was going to be happy. This is not happy. So Cassian is internal monologuing as he flies to visit the village his mother was from and remembers how when he got through the blood rite, he went to go find her and found out that she had been killed and buried in an unmarked grave. And then he killed everyone in the village. I think I texted you and was like, Does, is there like no end to the trauma in this uh, book or something to that effect. I'm like, Jesus Christ, does no one have a decent backstory? Like, fuck. No one. Nobody has a good backstory. No one. Nobody. And it took him so after he did that, it took him 10 years to move past what he did because obviously he had a lot of feels about like murdering an entire village. It's a lot. <laughs> And then he thinks about how Asriel and Reese made it through the blood right. And he thinks about like them fighting together and it was really brutal. But he also remembers that the blood right, even though it is this incredibly cruel thing to a certain extent, is this safety valve on the more dangerous Illyrians because they will more than probably die during the blood right. It makes me think of just the entirety of Basgeath <laughs> in the Fourth Wing Iron Flame yeah. series, where it's a little less crazy, but yeah. And when your entire like existence, your entire culture is being aware, I, I guess this makes sense. You don't want a sociopath being a uh, Valyrian warrior. I mean... They're all a little bit. You don't. Yeah. I mean. Anyway, let's go on. Let's move on. Let's go back to Feyre. All right. So chapters four and five are both from Feyre's point of view. So I'm just going to smush them all together. Uh, So we're back in Valaris and she's in the rainbow and she is kind of going through the stores and shops and she's looking for gifts for her friends and her family. She is a late shopper. She is out there pretty much on Christmas Eve, picking up those last minute gifts. So fun. Uh, But Um, as she's walking through, she can't help but notice the damage. Yeah. I have a fun side Mm. story about Christmas Eve shopping. Yes. So I do actually buy presents for my family well before this, but my dad does not. My dad intentionally, unless like for a very specific reason, he cannot wait until Christmas Eve. My dad intentionally waits until Christmas Eve and then he goes out and buys Christmas presents for everybody. Were you guys peekers? I was. Oh, I was. But no, it was just his thing. It wasn't it wasn't because of me. It like it was genuinely like it's his thing. He still does it. We still do it. Like I don't actually go really buy anything on Christmas Eve anymore. I usually just get the like stocking stuffer things on Christmas Eve, but I still go out with him. We go eat breakfast at like six o'clock in the morning at, at uh, like Cracker Barrel and then go to the stores. Then we're usually home by like 10 o'clock 
And then we hang out and wrap presents. Actually, I used to wrap presents for him. My sister and I did because he didn't wrap the presents. We did. So. Oh, okay. But that's kind of a sweet, like, father-daughter bonding Yes. Moment. And now I force my children to do it with me. So it's a, it's a, it's a mother-daughter thing now. So. You're welcome. <sighs> They'll do it to their children. My dad always goes out. He doesn't always buy anything on Christmas Eve. Always goes out. It's fun. Um, Sophia ends up meeting Racinia, who is this villager. She owns a shop there in the Rainbow. And Feyre tells, or excuse me, Racinia tells Farah about this family that used to live and own this, like live above and own this art studio by Racinia's shop. She's like a ceramic artist or something like that. I don't remember what Racinia does. Um, but because of the war and the attacks on Valaris, they've actually moved out to their country home and they won't be returning. Um, and, you know, it's kind of sad. And then she meets up with more and they start shopping together to try and gifts for Amran. And more tells Feyre that along with Reese, uh, they're going to have to visit the Hewn City as part of their tradition for solstice. Yay, the Hewn City. So exciting. <laughs> um, so then Reese gets home and they get ready to go to the Court of Nightmares. And they're pretty sure that Eris is there chit-chatting with Kier. About what they're not entirely sure, but they're pretty confident that he's there. Then I have a note here of we learn a little bit too much about fey menstrual cycles. I, I must have blacked this out and I'm not entirely sure. I want you to remind me. I will give you a very, very gentle reminder. Okay. So fey, they don't, the women don't have a period every month. It's like every quarter or like twice a year. It's twice a year. Excuse me. Okay. But it's like, according to Feyre, the worst cramps in the entire universe. Like, she couldn't even move. Reese had to lift her and put her in the bathtub. I mean, I've been there a few times. So, I don't. Like, okay, it's funny because I actually had this, uh, like, a, a relatively similar conversation with my aunt over Thanksgiving. She had never seen those videos of like men with the period simulators on and stuff. And they're like freaking out. And their wives are like, why are you whining? It's on like three. I don't know. Mine have gotten worse as I've gotten older. And then like the cramps have just, they're awful. And I've been that, I've been there before. So if I could only do that once or twice a year, hey, that sounds like a deal to me. Yeah, but I just okay. Here's the thing: I love world building. I don't, you don't ever in any book I read. I don't need to know about periods. I don't need to know about them going to the bathroom. And if SJM could cut down how many times they vomit on page, that would be great. I could live with the vomit. I could live with the vomit. Um, no, I could. I I, I feel like. They could also lose eating habits, but definitely all could also lose sewers. 
You can definitely <laughs> lose sewers. Okay. Who can tell that uh, Miss Jill is currently reading Throne of Glass? No, it's not just Throne of Glass. It's been the whole fucking universe. Okay. Like I said, we learned that's just too much about fey menstrual cycles for my personal taste. I don't need to know any thing bathroom related and that is bathroom related in my humble opinion okay moving on uh reese and Feyre then talk about the whole lucian elaine situation i think it is very clear that Feyre ships elaine and asriel well duh but i don't dislike the pairing of Lucian and Elaine, but I'm going to have the hottest of takes. All right. In the entire world. Let's hear it. I think Grayson, her human fiance, is going to come back into the picture. You've mentioned... Here's why. Well, you've mentioned this, but so keep going. Yes, go. Here's why. This is be- it is because when asked, SJM is always very cagey about who Elaine ends up with. And I think that's because she's very aware of all of the shipping going on between Asriel and Lucian and all that kind of stuff. But I think it makes the most sense for, for Grayson to come back into this picture because I recently have been really reading or re-listening to Akawar, and I re-listened to that scene where they go to meet with the Grayson, like Grayson's family, uh-huh. to try to help protect the humans. And he does not instantly balk away from her. It's only when his dad comes in and says stuff. So I don't think Grayson really feels that way. I think he might still love her. I love the theory. I think it's totally plausible. I I don't have an opinion either way. It's kind of like, yeah, that's definitely something that could happen. And it could also work. I wouldn't hate it if it did happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think I would dislike her with any of them. I mean, Mm -mm. okay. I will reel that back in a smidge. I don't know Grayson well, so I don't want to. I would hope that if he did come back, he wasn't shitty. So Mm -hmm. making that assumption, I don't hate her and ending up with any of those people. So. Yeah, because like when Nissa talks about Grayson, she's like, "I, I never had an issue with him. She always had an issue with Grayson's father. Yeah. But if Grayson's dad dies, which he. I don't remember if he does or doesn't in Akawar. I don't know if it's ever mentioned if he's still alive or not. I don't remember. If daddy's out of the way. Then, you know, there's not really an issue. Why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? If I'm being honest, I hope she ends up with Az only because I, I feel like Az needs a good ending. Because... It's not, it's not with more. It's not ever going to be with more. No, I don't think anybody 
thinks that Asimora are going to happen. I think he does. The, the, he does not. He's over her. I feel like this. Did you read the bonus chapters for Akasif? Yes, but that's later. We're still in Frost and Starlight. He's not into her in Frost and Starlight because you have all of the instance. Like he goes with he volunteers to go get Elaine when she gets whisked away by the cauldron. I OK, so, yes, he I'm gives not, her truth teller at the final battle. I understand all of that. There's all of these instances where it's clear that he's showing Yes. Some kind of favoritism uh, towards Elaine. Yes, 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 yes. But I'm saying I think it's like to him, it's still like that is she's like hope, if that makes sense. She, to me, for as represents something new, like a shift in his thinking. And like, I'm going to ch- make a change in this direction. But I'm saying, I guess up until that point to him, he was still like, OK, not to him, to me. He was still very much pining away for more. And then the shift, like, it's a shift. It's not a, like, I'm closing this door and opening this door. It's a, like, a slow turning away, if that makes sense. So I think at this point, Mm -hmm. he's not fully there yet. But I'm I'm worried for him. And I think this is the way Farrah feels, too, is that she knows how badly that hurt Asriel, like just watching more for what was it, 500 years or something? That ridiculous long amount of time. Yeah, like just uh, just waiting for her to change her mind. And I'm I'm worried that he's gonna end up doing the same thing for her. For Elaine. And that's what I don't want. That's what I don't want. So yeah. I hope she ends up with Az, just for his sake. Uh, all I know is SJM has said that we have met Az's mate in the books. Beyond that, she has not made any distinction. When we get to the end of Silver Flame, I think there's a deeper conversation about who Azriel's mate may be. Yeah. Fair. Because there's conversations to be had. So, um, and then they also talk a little bit about Nesta. Uh, Nesta's not doing great. We already know that. She's living in a little shithole little apartment. And she's uh, spending a lot of money. (laughs) And doing a whole lot of nothing. Other than drinking. And dancing. Nesta's having herself a good time. Is it a good time or is she covering up for something? Oh, I mean... Yes, she's putting a big old band-aid over some stuff, but she's having some fun while she's doing it. Yeah, I just I have to come back in here and say they haven't really done this since Akamath, but I really love their thought for a thought game that they play. Yeah, I just think it's so sweet and it allows them this these moments of such vulnerability. I just really appreciate it. It's like that, um, I don't know, maybe if you played this game when you were dating, like, I'll ask you the, the question, question for game. a, qu- yeah, the question game, a question for mm-hmm. a question. Yep. It was always fun. Yeah, it's always a good time. 
So that is where we're going to end this episode. We got all the five chapters into the shortest book of the series. (laughs) Okay. I will... I will be better prepared next time for some more, uh, like, bullety points so we can get through some more of the books. (laughs) I like that. Bullety points. That way... We can continue the Christmas movie debate. Christmas movies! Debating! I think we're just going to end up watching all of them because it's the holiday season. Of course we're going to watch all of them. Here's my suggestion. I say we throw up a poll on Instagram and see what everybody would like to, uh, to see. So what are their choices? Obviously National Lampoon Obviously. Christmas Vacation. Yes. And then Elf. Elf. I think there's 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 a good debate about Elf. Yes. Um what is option three? Hmm. How about this? We could do four options. Okay. And we could either each pick two or we could throw the husbands in the mix and John and Mark can pick one each as well. I mean, they are going to get forced to watch it with us, so. Yes. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. We'll think about it. By the time this airs, we will probably have already decided, and the Instagram post will have already been posted. True, true. Sorry uh, to those who don't get to participate because you only listen and you don't follow us on Instagram. This is your cue. <gasps> Go do if that. You you got it. If you want to know what's coming up next and all the fun shenanigans that are going on here at Mel and Jill Geek Out, you got to go f- follow us over on Instagram. It's Mel and Jill Geek Out. It's easy to find. Pretty easy. MJGO, you got this. Uh, if you have something that you think we should be geeking out about that we are not, you should shoot us an email to jillandmelgeekout at gmail.com because then we will read it and we will also geek out about it probably. Unless we don't and then sorry in advance. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness. Well, I'm silly. Yeah. What can I say? So uh, let's, I guess we should uh, continue the Christmas Frost and Starlight Hallmark Movie Express. Yes, we should. In our next episode. In the next episode. Thank you all (laughs) so much for listening. Again, my name is Mel. And I'm Jill. And this has been Mel and Jill Geek Out. Bye. Bye.